One Week Season. And welcome to the Assess Your Process Week 7 version. I'm your host, BFritz12, and yeah, today we're going to be talking my process, my lineup from this weekend, and then just digging into how we can improve our process looking through the lens of of me and, and mine first, but then uh, looking at that holistically and what we can do as a whole. And I am here live in the one week season discord currently. So we will be opening this up for questions, comments, etc. in just a little bit here. So for those of you that are here live, thank you so much for hanging out. I'm excited to dive in and as always just really appreciate having you guys here and the 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 energy of this space is for us to grow together. So love having you here and love having your input per usual. So with that, let's get started. Like I kind of mentioned before we start recording here, I did drop my assessing my process document in the reflection channel you can go ahead and if you want to follow along you can do so also feel free that this is part of our shared google drive here so uh, feel free to make a copy of this for yourself and try it out Uh, assessing is not the sexiest process or part of the process in dfs but i started this last year because i really wanted to get serious about my play and uh, I'm a coach and you know that's what I do for a living. And so I figured, why don't I coach myself doing this? And this has been just a, a huge shift for me and my play, which you wouldn't know based on my <laughs> results this year as they've been rough to say the least. Um, but from a process standpoint, I, I just grew so, so much last year. So let's dive in and check this out. Uh, so I ended up, I've done this the past couple of weeks now where I played the early slate. And so we'll talk a little bit about that and uh, what, so what this roster looked like. I've been playing the early slate because I've been practicing playing with a smaller pool of players and trying to build sharp lineups based on that. I've found for myself that I do better when I have less information to take in. I can dive deeper on those games and those environments and build a sharper roster. So for this week, week seven, I entered a 113 person tourney finished 85th so rough in that i was in the bottom third or so uh i scored a 113.44 the cash line was at 140 so far out of the money far out of first place but let's take a look at what i did my lineup was tua mike davis chuba hubbard Preston Williams, Calvin Ridley, Jalen Waddell, 
Kyle Pitts, Devonta Adams, and Ravens defense. Now, I've got to say, <laughs> I know Jam had talked about this in the past because there was there was a while for those of you that have been around OWS for a bit, a couple seasons. I think it was the second year of OWS, two years ago maybe, uh, where he did kind of uh, a lineup review on on Tuesdays or whatever it was, and he very quickly dropped that because he realized that it was he was kind of getting in his own head at the end of the week. Um, realizing that he would have to share this and kind of like, quote unquote, justify his plays. And now I totally understand where he was coming from. And unlike JM, I have nothing to prove. I don't have any, um, you know, I have no ego to not ego. Um, I have no like name to uphold or anything like that. But it still fucking sucks to be like, oh, my God, I have to justify why I played Mike Davis and Preston Williams in a hundred man. Um, so just know that it's like not easy to, to 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 build a lineup and be like, shit, I have to like actually tell people about this. Um, but with that, I actually think there's some juicy things to dive into because of that. So the foundation for this lineup, as you can probably tell, was the Atlanta Miami game. This was one of those things where after digging in a little bit and uh, reading the NFL Edge, it was just really clear to me that this popped off the page in terms of game environment. And with everybody focused on the Kansas City, Tennessee game and that environment, I was really kind of excited to play this spot because this set up just as well mostly um obviously the other teams are have guys with higher ceilings but this very well to be very similar and with these players at you know a pretty big discount from what these other guys were and so early in the week i was like yeah i want to play tyree kill and travis kelsey and like the block of those two guys are just going to get me so much floor and ceiling i talked about it a little bit last week uh on this podcast in this segment here they just have such an insane floor and ceiling combo. But the more I thought about it and just played with rosters and saw how this slate was really going to kind of come together from a roster construction standpoint, I really didn't love how restrictive those pieces were going to make the rest of my roster. And so as I figured that out and as I started leaning into what this game environment looked like, I mean, you got two teams who play at a fast pace, who have very capable offenses. Uh, Tua and the Dolphins have kind of quietly been a team that really wants to get vertical with the ball. You know, the, the Dolphins and Tua just kind of have this perception is not that good. And granted, they are not that good. <laughs> um, so I'll kind of talk about that, too. But so that's that's why I sh started shifting towards these guys, because realized that Tua and some of his pass catchers were would just really allow me to pay much less in salary for a a similar kind of ratio floor to ceiling. It wasn't obviously these guys don't have the same floor to ceiling as Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey because pretty much nobody does. But there is still some safety in this. And so for me as a single entry player playing in a small field. I really liked that combination. 
And then to really bring things together for just to like push me into this game environment and kind of committing to it was the fact that both of these offenses operate in a very narrow or relatively narrow distribution of touches. So you've got the the Dolphins who I just figured that um, so much of their production was going to go through to a they just they don't really have much of a, a run game currently. And, you know, they're they've got their rotating backs and things like that, but they want to uh, to throw the ball. And so I felt really strongly about him. My my one <laughs> my one hot take, which was correct from this game. I have a very wrong hot take from this game. Uh, but the one that went well was I, I tweeted something about how uh, Tua was going to be uh, the best price per dollar or point. Sorry point per dollar quarterback on the slate and the top five in raw points. And I uh, was right on the first count and he was actually um, the the third quarterback from a, a raw points perspective. So that much I had right. I stacked him with Jalen Waddle and Preston Williams. So why Preston Williams, Jalen Waddle is kind of self-explanatory. I feel um, just a, uh, a large target share, especially with Devonte Parker out another week, which, by the way, I was like salivating <laughs> at playing Devonte Parker uh, figured that, you know, he's just one of those guys that people don't really think about. But I I just felt that if he did play Tua was going to force him the ball. So I that was where I started my week was like just crossing my fingers that Parker was going to play. Uh, which ended up not being the case. So I had to do some workarounds on Sunday morning. Um, but with that, Waddle was underpriced for his role, both from a floor and ceiling perspective, uh, as was Mike Jasicki, who, as you may have noted, did not make it into this lineup. And I'll get to that in a second. Um, but because Parker was out and Preston Williams was back in, I liked taking a shot on him as the potential deep threat in this game. Obviously, nobody was going to be playing him. Um, but also, one of the things that I noted in my document here, I'm going to scroll down to that. Um, I, I put playing Preston Williams as a risk for sure. But if I'm going to play cheap receivers, I want them to A, be in game environments that I like, B, have a potential to hit on splash plays, and C, a bonus if they are paired with my quarterback and Preston Williams checked all these boxes. Now to also bring process versus variance into this a little bit, uh, looking at the game and the box score, he had four targets, which, you know, obviously not a ton, but for a guy like him, one or two of those um, could be bigger, longer plays. And were more targets than both Mac Hollins and Isaiah Ford, who were guys who scored touchdowns on that team. So that's one of those things where, yes, it was a risky ish play. But at the same time, I do feel that I ran a little bad uh, because I, you know, I got two guys who um, scored touchdowns there and that's not even mentioning Miles Gaskin. So that was the reasoning behind the Preston Williams play. I would have loved. I, I do think that the the block of Jalen Waddle and Mike Jasicki is just like super sharp paired with Tua because they just had such a large target share, both from just like a general target share, but also an opportunity um, to score touchdowns. So 
really like those guys, but I really wanted to play Kyle Pitts coming back and didn't really want to spend a flex spot, which could have been a mistake, but that was the Dolphin side. Then I brought it back with, here's where the pain starts, uh, <laughs> Mike Davis, Calvin Ridley, and Kyle Pitts. I started this bring back with, and again, this is why I loved this, uh, just kind of like foundation, again, at least for small field tourneys, is because Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts just set up to be, again, just like such an awesome floor and ceiling block. Uh, two guys who are going to dominate target share, who should get a red zone share. Uh, really loved those two. As the weekend went on, I ended up playing with Mike Davis in that block and wanting to or playing with potentially adding him in. And so the the reason that I ended up pulling the trigger on him was at his price. He was getting uh, the past few games. Let me see if I scroll down here to get it. He had um 12, 13, and 13 carries, and four, two, and five targets. So he was kind of quietly getting opportunity. And JM actually mentioned this last week, which I thought was super sharp on his part. Um, you know, no surprise. Was when running backs get targets, kind of like doubling that for to get kind of a um like an opportunity score, so to speak. And so if you do that with you know, Mike Davis getting 13 carries and three targets, that opportunity score now turns into 19. And in this spot where I like this game environment, the the goal here was, or, or the statement that I was making playing Mike Davis in this block was not, I think that Mike Davis is going to smash. What it was, was that I think that between Mike Davis, and Kyle Pitts, I can secure three to four touchdowns. Uh, so where this went bad, <laughs> um, Cordell Patterson seems to have officially usurped Mike Davis, and probably not surprisingly, uh, but in this game, the usage totally shifted. Uh, Patterson got the, I think it was five goal, like uh, green zone looks. I believe it was green zone and not just red zone to Davis's zero. Uh, Mike Davis had zero targets. Cordell Patterson had more carries, just completely, you know, just completely shifted in this spot. So by no means do I think Mike Davis was a smash play. I think it was, uh, I think there was opportunity there, had usage stayed the same, but that clearly was not the case. So yes, I took on some risk there, but in the end, I decided that the block of guys to this game environment that I liked and then also the salary that I gained by playing Mike Davis in this spot was something I was cool with. Why was I worried about salary? Well, I think this week presented uh, one of the toughest challenges we've had to date in terms of salary and getting like pricing was just really tight on DraftKings and even actually on FanDuel too which is usually quite a bit softer. Um, but I really wanted to play Devonte Adams as well. So he was my one of my one-off pieces in this lineup. And I think it was JM that pointed out, or somebody pointed out in the, the NFL Edge, that 
Devante had only scored two touchdowns to this point this year. And I actually felt I was kind of high on this game environment. Um, thought that Washington had a better chance than the field thought to keep pace here, which that was a I was dead wrong on that count. But with that, I was essentially saying that, you know, a lot of this production would go through Devante. Obviously, his floor is, you know, one of the highest always for a receiver. But I liked his chances at a ceiling game in this spot that I expected to be more competitive than it was. That didn't happen. Devante only ended up scoring 19.6 uh, at his price, which you know definitely didn't need to have that. So that was part of the reason why I wanted salary. The other thing I was playing around with in that spot was having Travis Kelsey there, which didn't require as much salary. Um, but like I said, at the end of the weekend, I just was like, Devante's ceiling is just sky high. And like I said, I was betting on that game being more competitive than it was. So I um, lost that bet there. To fill in the last pieces, Chuba Hubbard at running back. Uh, I think that's pretty self-explanatory just because it was kind of uh, Chuba Hubbard chalk week. Uh, you know, th- people were super ready to play a running back against this Giants defense. And Chuba has had a, you know, just a kind of a, a CMC light role. Definitely, definitely not the same, but he has been in a good spot getting opportunity and simply just has not come through on that. And that was very true this week as well. Uh, you know, this is one of those plays. If you played him, it's it's not bad process whatsoever. He was t- priced too low at sixty one hundred for his volume. And in this matchup, uh, I mean, again, I, I and I'll, I'll I'll say this here. One of the things that I came to in my 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 assessment process here was one of the first things I mentioned was I simply wasn't going to win attorney this week because of what I was betting on. I was betting on uh, Atlanta and Miami, which I wasn't wrong on that, but I was wrong on the players or didn't hit on those guys. Uh, I was betting on the Washington Green Bay game, which I was just straight up wrong on. And I was betting on Chuba Hubbard, you know, getting a, a great workload against this this Giants team. Um, but the Panthers are just floundering. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, was not a, a bad play with Chuba. Just one of those things that isn't breaking. Now, keeping in mind, uh, even if his workload is similar going forwards, I will be slightly more hesitant to pull the trigger because the the team as a whole is just playing really poorly. And so that really lowers uh, chances at scoring opportunities and things like that. So that. Oh, the only the only other piece there didn't mention was the Ravens defense. And yeah, I mean, this is I just didn't love any other defense here, really. And so kind of like what I had left over in salary. Would have been I had a gut feeling of going with the Bengals at 100 lower and just, you know, couldn't pull the trigger on Bengals defense over Ravens. So negative uh, one point there doesn't feel good either. 
All right. So big picture thoughts and ideas here. Uh, like I said, uh, just coming back to the I wasn't going to win attorney this week. One of those things that sounds maybe kind of bad or. Um, yeah, just kind of like a downer, but it's it actually <laughs> I wrote it actually eases the pain a bit because it makes it less personal in that uh, I wasn't. I, I went with the the bets that I was willing to make. I you know placed those bets, and that's it. Like lock happened, and we were there. Like I was, I was never going to take first place here. And part of what helped me come to that was looking at the lineups that did place in the the top handful of spots here. And that was what made it clear to me. And so I highly suggest, I know, you know, the guys talk about this all the time here at OWS, but look at these rosters. You can always learn from looking at the rosters that finish first. Um, but what you can learn from a week to week basis is always different. And so, like I said, this week for me, looking at who was on these rosters, I was like, OK, well, I, I, I just wasn't going to win. and. So like I said, it's not a bad thing. It's more of just kind of an accepting of some weeks are going to go your way or you're going to put yourself, you're, you're going to have a really good chance to finish first and other weeks you're just not based on your style of play and the way that you were seeing the slate and things like that. So that was one of my my big picture thoughts here. Uh, what else do I have? Uh, yeah, kind of as like a sub bullet to that. <laughs> I was like, I... What did I do well? I played my conviction plays. Yay. What didn't I do well? I played my conviction plays and they sucked. <laughs> um, so kind of two sides to that coin there. Uh, let's see. Process versus variance. Yeah, like I said, Chuba scoring less than 10 given his role definitely feels like variance. Uh, Chuba. Yeah, I have Chuba and Tua next to each other here. Chuba scoring less than 10. Tua. Throwing touchdown passes to Isaiah Ford and Mac Hollins feels like variance. Uh, and then choosing to play Mike Davis and Preston Williams was choosing to take on some risk and some variance. Um, so there was a process component to that, not necessarily good or bad, more so just a choice. One other takeaway that I had, something that I was questioning a little bit and trying to figure out if I should have been thinking about it more was playing Damian Harris against the Jets for, I think it was like 500 more than Mike Davis, um, which I do wish I had at least considered playing Damian Harris with the Patriots defense. Uh, for for those of you that were hanging out or listening, when I did this the the first time, the Jets played the Patriots. I hammered that defense and like that was just who I lined up that week. Just no questions asked. was going to get them on my builds. Um, didn't feel the need to pay up to them this week, but I think that is or could have been a little bit of a mistake um, from both a floor and ceiling standpoint, so to speak, from a from a defense, which we don't really talk about defenses in that regard, but. And then the combo with 
the the Patriots D and Damian Harris, I think, would have been pretty sharp for tourneys, especially small fields. On the other hand, I still don't hate the Mike Davis play, which, you know, <laughs> is, is really hard to say. But um, just given what we thought he would see based on the past three games, it, it really did give him a decent opportunity. Uh, yeah, I mentioned Preston Williams and playing a cheap receiver, the boxes that I want those guys to check. Just a quick recap on that. Game environments that I like, potential to hit on splash plays, and if they're paired with the QB, that is a bonus. Something I think is really important to consider when you're playing small fields is running out a game stack the way that I did. So I ended up having six guys from this game, which is a lot in um, quarterback, receiver, receiver, and running back, receiver, tight end. Uh, but if you feel strongly enough about the game environment, I've mentioned this before here because Zandermeer has mentioned this as uh, something that he does as a strategy and thing is really sharp for small field single entry players is just game stacking games that you feel really strongly about and just trying to soak up all the points like i said i was wrong on the pieces that i put in there but if the pieces were correct i'm in a much better place because the game environment bet was a good one and then of course you know you have to uh your one-off pieces outside of that have to be hits as well <clears throat> but with that you can those guys you can bet uh, a little bit more on ceiling if you have a relatively safe uh, game environment bet or stack so the the only other note i made on that was if i'm running a full game stack ensure that i can get enough points so i had the block of davis ridley and kyle pitts and about like a, a floor of like 55 or so and then a ceiling of 75 which price considered is decent by no means is it uh crazy in terms of the multiplier you're getting there but um pretty solid and again for like a floor to ceiling you know you if if davis ends up getting cordell patterson's usage in that game or the usage that he had been getting and he ends up hitting 15 points uh, ridley catches more than four of 10 targets uh for like another game in a row you're you're looking at more points there too so just some thoughts on playing blocks and game stacks for small field single entry with that just some player notes there calvin ridley like insane the amount of <laughs> targets and air yards he's seen uh and the low production to go along with it so I also mentioned this. I have a, a box score review document that I've been messing around with the past few weeks, which is also in the uh, OWS fam shared drives. You can check that out too. Um, love to get your feedback on that as well. But that's been really helpful to just really notice the usage these guys are getting. And so even if they're not showing up in a big way in the box score, the underlying usage is there so you can a feel good about your plays, but also b understand that the field might 
eventually be cooling on these guys when really they're still getting a chance at their ceiling. And so Ridley's scored between 10 and 20 points in every game this year and only scored two touchdowns so far. So his ceiling games will be coming. Uh, Kyle Pitts. Yeah, I mean, he is his usage is really more of a, a 1B to Ridley's 1A than a number two, the way that they're using him and aligning him and everything. So that's some player notes there. By the way, we are 30 minutes in. So in just a minute here, open it up to questions. Get you guys here. Oh, as I mute myself, uh, get you guys up here. Questions, comments. Thoughts on your my lineup, your lineup, whatever. Uh, but just to kind of wrap up my thoughts here. Let's see. Yeah, talk to Siki over well Williams already. How oh, that was the the safer play. Uh yeah, so just quick bulleted notes for that, like the game stacking. Having a good game environment volume and scoring opportunities, narrow offensive distributions and floor and ceiling, especially when that floor and ceiling is strong from a price considered standpoint. Uh, Let's see. Yeah, guys, if you want to jump on up here, feel free. Field some questions. Just want to chat anything, my process, your process, results, anything you guys got for me here. Oh, we got, there we go. We got some peeps. Uh, I'm going to bring Aaron and Sean up here. I'm going to go ahead and bring both you guys up here. I will start with Aaron. Aaron made it up here first. Aaron. Hey, thanks. Um, no questions th- this week, um, but I do want to say that I got off the schneid here, so I uh, did have a profitable week. Hey, there we go. <laughs> yeah, so I almost 2x my entry fees. A um, couple of things that we talked about last week that I did uh, was in my double ups. In 50-50s, I had Hill uh, in there. And in my triple-ups and quintuple-ups, I had Cup. So I placed near the top in the triple-ups and quintuple-ups. Um, the other thing I did was I responded to the late news with Damon Harris. Um, so I got off of admins and my triple-ups and quintuple-ups in my tournaments and went with Harris. Um, and so that helped me. You know, um, that was a big part of the, of, of the week. Um, uh, the other thing I would say that... Uh, is that I did kind of like dive deeper into a lot of the games this week, more so than I have the previous week. So I had, I felt like I had a really good handle on the, uh, on the slate. Um, I just wish I would have had more Stafford stacks. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, and I kind of came to the same conclusion with the um, Carolina game. So I had Carolina um, as one of my, you know, uh, one of my, entries um into the tournament um it just didn't work out but you know so just just one of those things you know, i felt really good about carolina and then 
you know, some of their pieces and, um, I did bring it back with Pettis. Um, um, the only thing with that lineup is I had the, I think I was like too contrarian. I didn't have enough time to fix it. I was like, almost was like 80% like ownership or something. I would like to have gotten it up closer to a hundred. Uh, so swapping a couple of pieces out that were, that didn't work out. So, um, yeah, so that's, I just wanted to say, uh, and, and thanks, you know, I, um, you know, for your help the last, last few weeks and, you know, just sticking with it and just kind of, you know, getting better each week. Um, is pretty much all you can ask for. Yeah. Yeah. Very welcome. And so glad to hear it feels, feels really good to experience that and to, to feel that and just kind of know like, okay, like my process isn't, isn't just completely broken or something. I don't have to like go back to the drawing board and start fresh. Um, so yeah, man, really cool. And you know, thanks for hanging out here. Love seeing you every week. And this is, you know, this is the place where, is that we can all get better together. So uh, love, love to hear the results coming through. Thanks for this week. So, <laughs> all right. Thanks a lot. Yeah, definitely. All right, Sean, sorry, I missed you there with your request. Feel free to shoot that back if you want to. And then, yeah, anybody else with questions? Also, if you have questions about main slate, I did, you know, I did still um do a bit of research on that so questions on your main slate play let me know uh let's see okay yeah and sean just asked me messages where the documents at the documents in the reflection channel if you want to check that out all right yeah like i said i'll kind of leave this open guys if anybody wants to come up here one of the things that i was going to potentially do today was actually take a look at um one of the the top lineups from this tournament um actually you know what rather than do that let me see here yeah so okay so like i said um looking at some of these top lineups in this contest it definitely felt like more of a hodgepodge of players. Uh, it wasn't the the line. The top lineups didn't have very clear stories. They didn't really uh, have a coherent construction to them. And that's, as I was saying before, just one of those things where um, the the spots that I was thinking were going to be good. And even to, to Aaron's point there, uh, the, the ones that clearly kind of like lined up just really didn't hit. You know, obviously the, the biggest one was with KC at Tennessee. Uh, but then, yeah, you have Carolina just completely falling on their face first, the Giants. So really weird week in terms of what the the results and things were. But one of the I, looking down to the, the 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 one lineup that I did really like, I should say, is was the fifth place lineup. And just to quickly look at what 
losing it all did was played Matt Ryan with Calvin Ridley, brought it back with Jalen Waddell and Mike Jasicki, played Aaron Jones and Damian Harris at running back, had Jamar Chase and then Jacoby Myers in the flex and Giants defense. So again, notice that he focused on this game. So Matt Ryan, Calvin Ridley, bringing it back with Jalen Waddell and Mike Jasicki, as we talked about that really sharp combo of those two guys who are just going to see so much of the likely see so much of the offensive production from the Dolphins. And then he just kind of plugged in other guys with uh, good roles or high ceilings. So obviously Jamar Chase fitting the the high ceiling role there and, and just the, a good role in general where he's continuing to get opportunity. And then at running back played Aaron Jones and Damian Harris, two guys in uh, what look to be really good spots. I actually, for the record, Aaron Jones is not a guy that I would normally go to, but liked him in this spot this week. And, you know, fortunately, although it didn't really make too much of a difference for my results, but fortunately didn't pull the trigger on him, but also don't think that was a bad play. Uh, Yeah. And then, like I said, Jacoby Myers in the flex and Giants D. It was also one of those weeks where defense went kind of nuts and, uh, seemingly random defenses had these pretty massive double digit games. So it's always a little bit harder on a week like that, where if you don't pick one of those defenses, you're immediately down on the rest of the field. Uh, Let me pull that up here, actually, which, by the way, this this brings me to a point that I wanted to share today, too, is Highly suggest. So like I I mentioned before, I do the the box score review weekly and I've been starting to share that like in the the shared drive. But another thing that I find to be really, really helpful is to go through the uh, the DK live app and do a review of the the players and scores and like see it's nice because because it has all the guys in one spot for you. Uh, you can see the scores. It ranks them. You can easily click on to to look at uh, what their stat line was. What I really like about it is that it also includes targets. So not only are you getting the final stat line, but you're also seeing the opportunity that these guys had. Uh, but it helps to paint a picture of who were the top producers, all right, so I don't know where I lost the recording there, but I'll just pick back up. Um, so yeah, I, I really like doing that as a way to kind of get a feel for what guys produced, what actual DraftKings scores were, what were the the must-have scores, and from which positions, and how those guys got to those scores. Uh, all feels really helpful. You know, you pull up DeAndre Swift here, and eight catches, ninety-six yards, one touchdown. 10 targets just like a really quick and easy way to look at that. Uh, but the reason I had pulled this up to begin with was defense. 
Uh, I was curious to see what the scores were. Yeah, you'd had say one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I guess the Colts were not on this slate. Uh, but yeah, main slate, you had six defenses that scored double digit points. Yeah, the the Titans who scored 17 against Kansas City, which is just <laughs> unreal. Um, then the like that, the Giants scoring 17 against Carolina. So anyways, defense is, is high variance and it can be really frustrating when you miss on that and that kind of shakes your week up. So just something to keep in mind. Not to get super tilted if you didn't play the right defense. Uh, let's see. I'll just quickly look through these. Go ahead and raise your hand if you want to jump on up here. Otherwise, I'm going to wrap it up here in the next couple minutes. One one question. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I think I have an issue with expand, expanding player pools. So I have like, I usually play, I usually play um, eight to 10 lineups for, um, for my, for GPPs. And um, I usually have like 12 running backs <laughs> or there's ridiculous like that. Right. And a lot of receivers. So, I mean, how, is there like a range of what I should have? I know I shouldn't have 12 for 10 lineups, right? Is there like a range I, I should like condense down to, um, and when I when I when, you know when I um, you know make my lineups, the uh, yeah, good question. Uh, I will immediately kind of just kind of a disclaimer. Since I usually only play one lineup and a couple variations of to kind of like hedge a little bit, um, don't don't take this as rule by any means. But with that. Yeah, like you said, I mean, at least that is it's just a, a little broad, right? Um, so trying to and i think i think it was jm talked about this uh on one of the pods recently but also understanding that this will change on a week-to-week basis so you know just making sure that you're not necessarily giving yourself a black and white like oh okay well i have to get this down to six running backs or i have to get this down to 10 running backs or whatever it is kind of considering the slate but with that this is where I think it helps to build a lot of lineups and just start to notice um, what things fit together, how things fit together, and 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 how that aligns with what you're seeing on the slate and what you like. I think a lot of people players kind of have this uh you know they make their their player pool and you know say you like a dozen running backs and you're like okay well i have to play all these guys because i like all these guys you're immediately kind of forcing the issue and so if you're you know if you're you've built 10 20 30 rosters you've been playing around with it and you keep finding that Derrick Henry keeps falling out of your lineup or you're really trying to force him in and, and taking more spots where you're there's a little bit more guesswork or you're not focusing on game environments that you like. Um, just kind of chalking that up to, hey, I'm not betting against this guy, but given how the slate is shaping up and how 
I've, I'm building rosters and how those are coming together for me. It's just not going to be an optimal play. Um, that would that would be what I would offer there is just to do what you can to narrow it down. You know, pick your pick your game environments. Uh, you know, find your guys there, but then use your use what's what's happening through roster construction to help you narrow that a bit. lineups and see what players players fit the most and you know just take it from there yeah i know the ability i know it's a work of art so i won't hold you too many <laughs> <laughs> but i know yeah. what i have is too many that i know right so yeah yep and that's yeah and part of that is uh you know just also that through the fomo filter and trying to be honest about like which guys you're worried about missing out on um you know so for example like henry was one this week to me where i definitely i didn't think he was going to fail i didn't think he was going to score as low as he did but at the same time just because of how pricing up i like there was just in no world was i going to get him into a lineup based on how i build and and my style of play and the spots that i wanted to get in um and so he was just kind of while he was in my early week player pool for sure, he would just kind of ended up being crossed off based on those things. So yeah, I think that's, I guess that's part of it is like understanding that you're not betting against these guys, because I think that can be the hard part when you're like, well, he's going to have a game, good game, or he's got to have, he has a good shot at having a good game. Um, you're not betting against them. You're just kind of acknowledging that they aren't the, optimal for the way that you're building that week yeah there's definitely a few in there that i probably could have lived without um, not because they failed just because i wasn't feeling great about them like i had jones i had davis um i wish i would have had like more like um i don't remember i think damien here eh? I'm not sure how many lines I had to Harrison, but um, definitely some plays where I just felt like wasn't feeling great about them. Um, but those are the two that point out the, you know, they, they stick out the most because you know I wasn't really high on them and they failed. So, but even if they did succeed, I still probably like well, if I have to play these guys, and I didn't really have to play them, you know, I could have fit other people in to that spot easily. So yeah, yeah, yep. Thank you. Yeah, and that's <laughs> you know great job being honest about that to yourself. Just because that's what it is a lot of the time. It's like, oh, I, I feel like I have to get these guys in here. I feel like I have to play these guys. Uh, and part of that too can also be, uh, and this is something like I've I've worked to this point, and so I know you've probably heard me say it because you've been here now for the past few weeks at least. Um, but one of the the things that I really had to work to over the past like year or two was sticking with my conviction plays and being willing to go to the moon with that or to sync with that ship. Uh, and so that, I think that's a lot of thing, you know, you're, I know you play cash games, so it's slightly different there, but there's still a, a similar idea in that, uh, you know, wanting to play or, you know, wanting to play a lot of guys to kind of spread the risk. And that's one of those things where um, I think like, obviously everybody's different as a player but optimally as you're kind of noting it it just um isn't going to be optimal to have a a pool that large of um yeah of running backs so 
Definitely some good work on that this weekend and getting that narrowed down. And um, I'll try to um, do what you say about building just more than the, the 10 lineups. So thank you. Cool. Yeah, man. And and just notice too, like what your your thought patterns are, like what, you know, if you're if you're having a hard time crossing off a guy, just just kind of notice why, like what is the what's kind of like the thought running through your head about why? And then just notice if it's a a FOMO thing or if it's a fear based one. And, you know, that's usually kind of a, a red flag as to <clears throat> why you're holding him in there. Yeah, I know for Aaron Jones, um, the offensive defense defensive matchup for the Packers in Washington wasn't wasn't the greatest. Mm-hmm. So I could easily cost him off based off of that. Um, I think the reason why I had Aaron Jones one or two lineups is because I had some I had like four Roger stacks uh, with Devontae in there, and so I was thinking if he would fail, then Aaron Jones would pop. Um, so that's mainly the reason why I played Aaron Jones mm-hmm. a couple lineups. Mm-hmm. But like mm-hmm. I said, I didn't really need to play him. Based on yeah. what I found in the research. Right, right. And that's exactly, you know, kind of like we're talking about is your your reasoning behind it was sound, but that's where it starts to become a little bit more of an art than a science, right? Is like, okay, well, you know, this this is logical and it's, you know, because of what you said there, it's not a bad process play. Um, but also, like, do I even need to go there? So that's always, always a, a balance that we're kind of continuing to try to figure out. Yeah, great. All right. Thanks a lot again. Appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. And thanks for hanging out, man. Anybody else going once, going twice? I got five minutes if anybody wants to jump up. Oh, we looks like we've got a taker. Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, we can hear you. What's up, man? Hey, uh, I'm just finding this year I'm I'm just not scoring as high as I used to be, but I've got other life scenarios going on, like grad school, a newborn child. So I'm just trying to figure out how to simplify my process by Sunday, and I'm just having a difficult time. So I don't know if you had any thoughts about that or any insight, I guess. Love the love the question because, uh, you know, <laughs> life first, right? <laughs> whether whether we like it or not, um, yeah, it's a real thing to work around. And you know, congrats on the the, the kid and everything. Um, so yeah, it's like you've got good good things going on. When it comes to process, and I've been playing around a lot with my process this year, by the way, and I think that this is something we should always be doing. Uh, one of the things that I've suffered with in the past is putting too much time into things. And so I think while your situation is challenging for sure, the the benefit is that you're at a point now where you can really try to discern which are the important pieces of your process, which are the things that really move the needle for you, which are the things that are foundational. And so I don't know if you have thoughts on that immediately. I don't know if you have things that you've played with, but uh, just really trying to pay attention to which of those things has worked in the past. Um, I guess like the the one kind of like broad question I was at, I would ask is 
are you are, are you finding that you're you have significantly less time or is it more that or i guess which part of your process are you struggling with is it the consumption and data gathering portion or is it the the lineup building i'd say yeah significantly less time and i'm i'm sort of relying on like the the oracle and stuff comes saturday night mm-hmm. sunday and I, I just can't dive as deeply into like the edge as i'd like to i guess cool yeah totally get that uh like you said <laughs> the that's the beauty of the oracle like really definitely leaning on that uh you know just kind of the there's there's so much there now this year but even kind of the gold standard in jm's player grid uh, checking through those things i would still recommend like always having an early part of your process that's just you thinking through games and um, that can be as as brief or as surface level as you want but i think it's always a good place to start and you can do that kind of on the fly you can either like make notes on your phone or you can be thinking through that um in between things or when you when you're on (laughs) dad duty maybe um but yeah so so kind of starting those thoughts early in the week for yourself seeing where that's confirmed with the um what the the guys are putting together and what's in the oracle there and then the from what I've found when I've gone to when I've had weeks where I can spend far less time is still prioritizing roster building somehow. And because if I, and again, this is a, a personal thing I found out for myself, but I think uh, this is still applies pretty generally is if you can't spend a decent amount of time on creating rosters the the handle or the feel that you'll have on this slate is quite a bit less and so i would i guess what i'm getting at here is uh if anything has to go i would say maybe some content consumption which it sounds like you're kind of already in that place but trying not to sacrifice too much from a roster construction standpoint. And even if I know James talked about this in his courses and on podcasts and stuff, but uh, doing this stuff in your head too, like once you have kind of an idea of what the slate looks like and kind of, instead of necessarily having to sit down at the computer or whatever, uh, just be thinking through these things in your head or when you lay down to bed, because really when you're busy and you've got the, as much going on as you do, there's a lot more that has to happen in between things. And um, so, yeah, even listening to the NFL edge might be a way to go to if you haven't tried that. Sure. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. I'll kind of try and focus on roster construction. And then, uh, yeah, every every kind of waking time that I'm driving by myself, I'm kind of listening to you guys. So I appreciate all the content that you're putting out. Oh, man. Yeah, very welcome. And yeah, I think the the other thing that just should not be um, taken for granted then is like, as JM talks about building knowledge over time. And yeah, you might not have that hour, hour and a half or whatever to sit down and like read the edge from start to finish. 
But if you can gain little insights throughout the week on teams, you know, just quickly scrolling through Twitter, reading one edge uh, right up at a time in the bathroom or, you know, whatever you have to do. Uh, just don't don't discount that knowledge over time because you may not really realize how much you know just by taking in those little things over the course of the season. Well, I appreciate your uh, time. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming up here and hanging out. No problem. All right, guys, with that, I am out of time for today. Thanks all for hanging out. Uh, feel free to mention this the past couple times. Like, feel free to hit me up, uh, personal message here on Discord. If you've got thoughts, questions, feedback, maybe you didn't want to come up here on stage, but you've got questions on my process or your process, feel free to hit me up. Really just want this to be a collaborative space. Again, that's the beauty of having this community. Uh, you know, OWS fam is the best in the biz. So, we're all growing together and getting better. That's what this space is all about. So thank you for those of you who are hanging out live. Thanks to you who are hanging out with us after the fact, listening to the recording. For the week seven process assessment, I'm Ben, Beefritz12. I'm going to get out of here and I hope to see you at the top of the leaderboards this weekend. Later, guys. Later, guys.